Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. introduce to you our guest preacher today. Many of you already know Colin Stafford, but while he gets his notes together and gets his microphone on and all that good stuff, I'll just tell you a little bit about this young man. Uh, Colin is a guy that grew up in our church, and we've been proud of him for a long time, but he's off at Texas A&M. He'll be a sophomore this year, and he's been a ministry intern with us here at First Methodist this summer. And so I just want to say what a blessing it's been, Colin, to work with you and to have a chance to work with you in this context. Um, one of the, we all know Colin Smart and we all know a lot of things about him. But one of the things I appreciated about him this summer is his willingness to learn. And, you know, he's thrown into something. This is not what he wants to do professionally with his life. He's got his sights set on other things. But he was willing to come in and serve our youth and serve our church this summer. And he had to learn a lot. He had to adapt a lot. And so we had a lot of conversations about what does it mean to preach? What is the gospel? What does it mean to teach uh, young people and to be taught by them? And so in the process of that, it really forced me to dig down to the bedrock of what I believe and what we believe as a church and what we think our main role is in the raising up of young people. So as disciples, we should all be teachable. And Colin, I just want to say thanks for being teachable and thanks for uh, just hanging in there and working through this. You've been a real gift to us and we look forward to uh, the blessing that he has for us today. This is his last Sunday, so help me in welcoming Colin Stafford. Thank you, Ryan. He's just trying to tear me up and get me messed up before I start. Uh, Good morning, everyone. So today we're going to continue going through John 6, the Sermon on the Rocks that we started last week. Uh, This is shortly after Jesus feeds the 5,000. If you'll remember from the scripture we went over last week, uh, in that part of the the scripture, Jesus told the crowd that they were being fickle generally and that the food that they were working for constantly and the things that they were trying to achieve uh, with their livelihoods uh, wasn't everything that they needed to sustain themselves. It was something that was important, but there was a piece missing. Uh, They also need the kind of food that will satisfy the hunger of their souls, uh, this, this sort of spiritual food that can only come through Christ. So Jesus offered to give them the bread Uh, of God to fulfill that hunger, Uh, and they're excited, they're ready, and they are willing to receive that. We see in 634, uh, the crowd says, always give us this bread. Uh, However, they're still conflating this bread that Jesus is offering now, this spiritual bread, with uh, the one that Jesus just multiplied and actually fed them. Uh, So it's a different thing, and they're not quite understanding that yet. Uh, That's the place where this week's verse, this week's scripture begins. Uh, with a crowd of people unsure of what Jesus is actually telling them about their spiritual uh, welfare, and they just want some more of the bread that he just speed-baked for them, for lack of a better term. Uh, But in John 6.35, he explains to the crowd that what he's offering them is not a solution to any worldly hunger. It's not something that's going to make their bellies feel more full. He's giving them what they need, the only thing that they need to satiate their souls. In doing that, he is trying to get their attention away from the physical bread that they just received and get them to put their faith in him and uh, realize that he is the bread of eternal life. So the next part of the verse in 635 outlines for, for the people how little beyond believing in him is required for them to receive his promise. Jesus says they just have to come to him. 
And uh, that's a simple act coming to someone. And it's one that parents expect from their kids from the time that they're like four. It's something that we're able to do. I know as far as those two, at least until 20. So um, we just have to realize that the bread of life is ready for us. And all we have to do is come to him. It's also interesting to note that the spiritual needs he refers to here are not just like a day-to-day necessity, but that's also directly tied to our everlasting life. And uh, that bread looks different to everyone, whether it be through prayer, service, spending time in scripture, whatever. Uh, What's important is that it provides us what our souls need us need to motivate and to uh, continue on on our path through faith and through Christ. Okay, so now in 41 through 46, the crowd has a better understanding of what Jesus is offering them. And we can see their general response in verses 41 and 42, where they basically tell Jesus like, hey, uh, we know who your parents are. We watched you grow up. Uh, We know you live down here on earth with us. And that pretty much means you're lying. Uh, They were expecting the Messiah to come down in a blaze of light from the heavens. Uh, So the fact that Jesus grew up alongside them and that he lived with Mary and Joseph meant that he must have been lying or at least exaggerating in their minds. Uh, But we see in verses 43 through 46 is a response from Jesus where he tells them in pretty much no uncertain terms that, no, I am the Son of God. Uh, I alone have seen the Father, and he alone can provide salvation through God. It's also interesting to note the content of verse 44 uh, where he says that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Um, That message kind of highlights a really important facet in the relationship between us and God generally that I think is pretty easy to forget. Uh, God draws us, not the other way around. Going back to the parent and child thing, it's the the parent who's the instigator. They're the one who is calling, and by their command, we, the children, are given what we need to act. Uh, I know that when I'm trying to work on myself spiritually, personally, it's always been easy to get in the mindset of, well, I need to do this thing. I need to do X more. I need to pray more. Or I don't spend enough time in scripture, so I'm going to open my Bible a certain time, number of times a week. Uh, But what we have to remember about the relationship that we have with God is that it needs to be a calling. Jesus tells us that here that we are all drawn. uh, And so the important factor for us is not to do everything all the time that we can to engage in our faith, but rather to have the discernment and have the, the ear to hear what he is drawing us to and to be able to focus on that. When I was up here a few weeks ago, I shared that my calling has always been more towards the faithful service side, uh, so it's up to me to engage in that. Whether you're called to lead a Bible study, like our folks over here were, a volunteer in the clothes closet or in the food pantry, or even in your just day-to-day life, in in your job, it doesn't matter. Jesus says we are all being drawn, so we just need to live in whatever that is. And finally, Verses 47 to 51 further describe the bread from heaven that Jesus is offering. Uh, He starts in 47 and 48 by doubling down and reaffirming the fact that eternal life comes through him. Uh, He is the bread of life that they're talking about. He is what our spirits long for. Jesus then offers the crowd another point of comparison to sort of contrast this spiritual meal with uh, what they're used to, what they just received by reminding them their ancestors, the Jewish people in the wilderness, uh, ate manna straight from heaven, and they still died. Uh, What they're being offered here is something that not even manna, the food of heaven, can compete with. It's a means by which they might escape death altogether through him. 
He says that anyone may eat the bread and not die. Another point he makes to disencourage the sort of Jewish mindset at the time that they themselves were the one and only chosen ones uh, destined to enter heaven. But Jesus says, all of you bring me into yourselves and you too can have eternal life. And then in 51, he finally tells the crowd that the bread he speaks of is his own flesh, which we know is an illusion and sort of a prophetic acknowledgement of his death at the cross. Uh, By his sacrifice, our souls can be sated. So in closing, I would like to ask you to consider what you have been hungry or thirsty for in your life. Uh, What have you needed to feel full? And if Jesus is the bread, how has he been filling that need for you? As we go into this new school year, it's good to think about how Christ can be the bread that we need and how filling his love is. Please bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you for the gift that you gave us in your son and the promise he made to be the bread of life for the filling of our souls. We ask that you give us the eyes that we need to see where you are drawing us this year and the will to be in that place so that we can grow closer to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.